Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and today's message is why I don't want friends. You will have to listen to this message in its entirety to understand the context. Otherwise, you'll leave early and think I'm traumatized. <laughs> but I was just thinking about that. Now, before we go into the message, let me give a disclaimer. I am washing dishes. Um, it always seems that when I come to do these type of recordings, I'm in the middle of working on something. That's because when I'm not working on this, I'm on my computer working on other projects. So this is the only time I seem to have time to record a podcast. And so that's that. Um, but why I don't want friends. The last time I had a person that I referred to as a best friend, that friendship ended in 2016. It is now 2021. And amazingly enough, 2016 does not feel like a long time ago and that's because i'm still living in the same house what have you when um i was friends with this young lady and we were friends for five years um i met her on the heels of another friendship um i had a you know really close friends i had been close with or been best friends with for over 20 something years and the lord kept um you know just put, trying to close that door but i was putting my body between that door i didn't want it to fully close because this is this had been somebody who had been my friend uh for over 20 something years and on all our honesty i didn't know how to have a life without her you know because she had been such an integral part not you know a minor friend she had been my best friend she her family took me in like um i was their family but the problem with that, you know, she was Christian or what have you. But the problem with that was that our friendship was not healthy. Um, it was the dynamic. So sometimes when people are in your life, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. But the dynamic of our friendship was that of her acting as a big sister. And it got to the point where it was almost like she didn't want me to grow up. She wanted me to remain in that role of uh, somebody that she could... Um, minister to mentor or what have you and it was actually a mechanism of control there i have to be honest with it it was a mechanism of control there so uh what ended up happening with her was when i was um making a lot of poor decisions before i got saved or what have you even after i got saved when i was making a lot of poor decisions um she was the one that i talked to she was the one that i relied on uh she was the one you know i often laugh about it nowadays but she was the one who was on the phone with me when I was married and out, you know, just young, still in my twenties, angry, no, knowing that the man was cheating on me. And I went out looking for his car. Um, I drove to the city that I knew he was in. I didn't know where the woman lived, but it was a small town. So I figured I'd be able to find his car. And my goal, I had, um, I had, what was that? Lighter fluid. I had lighter fluid and matches in my car and you know sometimes people can plan to do something or say in their head they're going to do something no i had it 100 in my heart it wasn't in my head it was in my heart i was going to set that car on fire never did anything crazy like that before in my life but i was in such a, a place of agony and pain i did not know how to contain those emotions and one thing i learned about women is that when we're hurting um we want the person you know the person who hurt us we want that person to feel the level of pain and sometimes we'll put that pain on other people as well uh, but we want the person that is hurting us or has hurt us to feel the level of pain that we're in. And when we are unable to express it, when we're unable to um, express it to the person verbally, if the person is unwilling to listen, a lot of times we'll finally kind of, it'll all come to a head and we'll find ourselves doing something crazy. And that was that particular day. 
I found myself um, on the edge of my sanity, got in my car when it was the middle of the night, really. Um, but I got in my car and went looking for him. And so this particular girl, she was on the phone with me. You know, she's trying to get me to go home. And I'm just like, no, no. And she's like, it's not worth it, Tiffany. And she saw me through the entirety of that marriage. She saw me through the entirety of that marriage. And even after that marriage ended. Now, by the time it ended, well, actually, after that marriage ended, she was there for me and all of that. She was encouraging me. We started encouraging each other. Oh, what happened? But as God would have it, I continued to grow and I continued to mature in the things of God. And over the course of time, I didn't necessarily need her um, to tell me not to do something anymore. I just needed her to be a friend. And that would, that had been destroyed because the only thing that she knew how to be was a big sister to me. The only thing she knew how to be was, hey. And so consequently, when that uh, season of our friendship ended, you know, she just kept rehashing. It was just this constant, oh, you know, you remember this. So our conversations became more just history based. It was, you know, you remember this happened. You remember that happened. You remember this happened. You remember that happened. And as I began to grow in the, in the Lord, I started talking about my future. Now I ran out and got married again. So she was still there for me when I got married again. And um, making all those bad decisions, ready to leave that guy. She was there for me, there to see me through that and um, to try to talk me off of a hedge, a cliff, whatever it was, wherever I was, she was there. But during that time, she didn't have to be there for me as much. And the reason for that is, is because I began to cry out to God. I began to truly repent. Um, I came to realize that everything I was going through was the result of my own choices. And it was a result of the sin I had, you know, the sins I committed or what have you. So I began to truly repent and give myself wholeheartedly over to God. And the more I repented, the less I needed to talk about my miseries and my woes because now I was taking accountability for it. And I met the, the friend that I would have for five years. I met her somewhere up in that um, time frame or what have you. I met her and, you know, we started being real close friends because the friend that I had that had been friends with me for over 20 something years, our friendship had gotten to the point where it just got really weird and awkward. Because, like I said, I became a new creature and I'm on the phone and I want to talk about, um, excuse me, what God had done, what God was doing. You know, I was just really excited about seeing God in my life, you know. Um, but like I said, she wanted to talk about the past. Uh, she wanted to talk about, you know, uh, things that she wanted to talk about past and present, never future. And that's usually the sign that the friendship is not um, healthy. That's the sign that the friendship has expired um, and that it's on the heels of becoming demonic or it may have already become demonic. And so that was that. After the the friend um, that I had been friends with for 20-something years walked away, and the way she walked out of my life was not, we didn't have a contentious split up. What happened was, now this is my, mind you, this is somebody I've been talking on the phone with for over 20 years every single day, like twice a day for hours on end. Um, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, so God was sending his prophets, God was trying to get me to let go of this girl, and I just wouldn't do it because I didn't know how to. I didn't realize that God was not, God 
wasn't necessarily telling me, hey, call her up and say, hey, I can't be your friend anymore. What God was just basically telling me to do um, was break the agreements, die to myself, and stop having those conversations that were toxic. Because like I said, most of the time she called me, she wanted to talk about the past. And um, that's what that's what we talked about was the past. Or, you know, something that may have happened to her that day or something like that. She had become, well, she had been like that, a real major complainaholic. She complained all the time. So one time, you know, I was praying to God and I was like, I don't know how or what to do. <laughs> and God told me to stop listening to her complain. You know, just basically let her know, hey, you can't complain. So I got on the phone because every single day, that's what she did. She wasn't a bad person. She was just, she had got into a place of bitterness. I can say that. Um... I was on the phone with her and I told her, I said, hey, I made a commitment to God to not listen to you complain anymore. And um, I told her, I said, you're way too blessed. God has been way too good to you uh, for you to be doing all this complaining. And she was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And so I think she made an honest effort to change. Um, but I also I understand now that I understand spiritual things that that wasn't something that was going to happen overnight. Um, that is something that she had been doing for years on end and it was a stronghold um and she needed deliverance just like i needed deliverance or what have you so that was it um once i removed that part of our friendship where i wouldn't let her complain or what have you because you know of course she tried a couple of times and i bring it right back up hey you complaining again she slowly just started um falling away so i remember you know this the time happened where now um she wasn't calling because like I said, there was a mechanism of control there. I don't know if she realized it, but there was a mechanism of control on her end. Whereas, and it, honestly, it got worse. I can tell you that I sensed that she sensed the end of our, our friendship coming. And she became a little bit more controlling as the end neared. Um, but one of the things that had happened over the course of our friendship was that, and I think anybody, if you pay attention to your friendship, you'll notice things that happen without your permission, things that you kind of just allowed to happen. And what happened with us was that it got to a point where I had an understanding to not really call her. Like I knew she wasn't going to answer her phone if I called her. She just wasn't going to answer her phone if I called her. Um, she always felt like she needed to call me when she was available. So our friendship became more of her calling me less of me calling her i would call her every once in a blue moon um but whenever i did call her like i said i would go to voicemail but toward this you know time toward the end of our friendship um she stopped calling me first it started with um and moved to once a day when it was like twice a day at first for hours on end and moved to once a day and it started kind of our conversation started shortening and getting shorter and shorter and then finally, um, it moved to every like three days and, you know, I started increasing trying to call her and, you know, I was going to voicemail all the time and she wasn't returning my calls. And, you know, I realized that God was closing the door, but after 20 something years, that's not something that is easy to let happen. And I can be honest, I had developed a, a little bit of bitterness toward her i won't say bitterness but anger frustration toward her and what i mean by that i would say frustration um i had developed a frustration toward her because of her controlling way she had she had some issues with control and i hated that i got to the point where you know i remember just thinking about 
our friendship and what I didn't want it to turn to. Cause like my nightmare of a friendship was being that old woman. Like, you know, it's two old women that are single and you know, one of them bitters all outdoors and she like, Oh, shut up. Uh, Lucy and you, you know, I didn't want that type of friendship. I used to actually imagine us like that, you know, because we would cackle and argue all the time. So long story short, that was a 20 year friendship. Um, when that ended, I already had another best friend and this girl had come into my life and, um, I, it was just error on my part because at this time I had started teaching. I had matured. I was writing articles for, uh, examiner. And that's how I met her because she found an article that I wrote and I was writing about the Jezebel spirit because I was in the middle of a lesson. I had learned so much about demonology. I had, you know, healed and delivered. I had truly became a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so I meet this girl and nobody really knows me, but people just see my articles on examiner. She's like, Hey, your article, it helped me. My mother has a Jezebel. And I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, obviously not cool about her mother having that spirit, but you know, her reaching out and saying that the article had helped her and yeah, start talking to her. First, it started off with her, um, reading my articles. Then she sent me a friend request on Facebook and then she started sending me inbox messages a lot. You know, hey, you know, you're, I just read your other article. Oh, my goodness. It's just powerful. It just blessed my life. This, that, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you so much. And then, you know, she sent me a friend request on Facebook. And she's, you know, um, well, obviously that was the friend request. She started sending me the messages. And then she was liking all of my statuses, sharing all of my statuses, telling everybody, hey, y'all should go follow this girl. Um and then one day she reached out to me and she was like, hey, I really need to talk to you. Can I get your phone number? You know, can I you know, talk to you? What have you? And I said, sure, because I'm thinking, OK, this girl is really like she's a major supporter. She's sharing all my articles and she's doing all this. Of course, you can have my phone number. So I gave her my phone number. Um, we get on the phone. We talk about her mother and, you know, some of the stuff her mother did. And it was doing to her. And I was telling her about the Jezebel spirit and what she needed to do. And we end up spending uh, several hours on the phone, actually more than two hours. We end up spending a lot of time on the phone. Um, I'm thinking probably like four or five hours we were on the phone. And I remember at the end of that conversation, her saying, I feel like I've known you for some time. You know, I know I just met you, but you know, and I I can't say that she was necessarily being manipulative because we had been on the phone for like five hours. So you know, the Bible says, guard your heart for out of it pours the issues of life. And so what God is trying to tell you is wait till you, you know, test the spirit. Wait till you get to know people before you go to opening up. But I didn't know that. Um, I mean, you know, the scriptures, but I didn't know how to do that. So what I did was I was on the phone, you know, I'm talking to her and I'm opening up to her. I'm let, because she's opening up to me. I feel the need to reciprocate. I'm telling her about my life and she's telling me about her life and we're laughing and we're talking and it just felt like it was natural. It just felt like, you know, this is, this is supposed to happen. We're supposed to be close friends um, and all that. So anyhow, long story short, um, uh, probably a, a weekend. I won't even say a few weeks. I would say a couple of days in a few days in, but I'm just, you know, it's been so many years ago. I'm going to give it the benefit of a doubt, but I'm thinking it's been, a, it was like a week or something. When we got on the phone one day and we were talking and she said, you know, you're uh, I feel like I can tell you anything. I, I've, I've had friends and, you know, um, I've known them for years and I've shared more with you than I've shared with them. Oh, what have you? And I'm like, oh, wow. And, you know, 
And then one day she said, hey, I feel like you're my best friend. And like I said, I don't think it was the weekend today. She was like, I feel like you're my best friend. Oh, what have you? So reciprocal nature, immaturity. I reciprocate. Oh, thank you. You're my best friend too. <laughs> you're my best friend too. I reciprocate. So long story short, <laughs> I end up being her friend slash mentor for five years. One of the things, you know, I understand nowadays how necessary it is to have a leader. Because I didn't have a pastor at that time. But how, how necessary it is to have a leader, a mentor, somebody that can kind of warn you against that. Because now I know that. I've had many people to make that attempt with me. But, you know, I resist with everything in me. When I say attempt, I mean... Sometimes, and it's, excuse me, sometimes some people are being manipulative, but in other times, they're not necessarily being manipulative. Sorry, I'm coming out my door trying to take out the trash. But other times, they're not necessarily being manipulative, they're being immature. And immature people, by default, are manipulative. Um, but I had many, you know, attempts as um, my name got out there. I had many attempts from people trying to. You know, just, hey, can I get your phone number? And, you know, in the beginning, I still made the mistake of giving people my phone number. And I came to realize that, hey, this is what's going to happen. Um, there are a lot of people out there. You know, people are having problems. People are depressed. People are sad. People are scared. People are, uh, you know, they're in dark places. And, you know, whenever they come across leaders, leaders don't necessarily have time to minister to them you know they have to come and position themselves they got to go to church they got to go get themselves a mentor and they're going to have to make some sacrifices for that and a lot of people are not willing to do that they don't want to go to church they don't want to get a a mentor they don't want to be accountable to anybody so what a lot of people do instead is they elect to get themselves a friend uh, or a group of friends and friends serve as counselors They serve as pastors. They serve so many roles. And a lot of times in this society, people don't necessarily understand when it comes to maturity, rank. And when I say rank, I want you to think of a big sister versus a little sister. I immediately think about my little sister and one of the problems she had with me to this day, she still is upset with me about this. Um, she doesn't understand, even though it's stuff that would happen where we were kids. God start, God's still dealing with her heart, but my little sister, she gets frustrated with me or whenever I talk to her, you know, there are many cases where she'll bring up our childhood and she'll talk about how when we were kids, you know, I didn't want her around me. I didn't want her going anywhere with me. And she'll make it seem like I was the worst sister in the world. But as I get out and I see other sisters, I'm like, you know, I see other siblings. I realize, hey, while it's not necessarily the best behavior, I actually behave like other kids. You know, because I'm six years older than my sister. And when you're six years older than somebody, you don't want them on your coattail everywhere you go. You don't want to go somewhere. And my little sister, when I was a kid, you know, I knew my sister was in a rush to grow up. She just wanted to be grown so bad. And one of the stories I often tell, and I know I'm jumping from story to story. Um, but one of the stories I often tell is the story when, because my mother my sister was the golden child. My sister was the golden child. My brother was a scapegoat. I was a scapegoat junior. But my sister, 
um, used to always whine and complain about, you know, like she hated the fact that I had certain things, certain privileges that she didn't have. And my mother would always equalize it. You know, I remember this one particular time um, I was 16 years old. So that meant my sister was 10. And um, my best friend at the time, she used to love to go to skating rink and, you know, uh, on Thursday nights. And my mom gave me permission to go with her friend, with this friend. So we started doing this. We have been doing this for a while. I'm talking about like a year. Just going out to the roller uh, it's a place called Roller World. I wash my hands. But going out to a place called Roller World. And my friend at the time, her mother, used to take us to Roller World. She would either drop us off or in a lot of cases, she actually came in. She would sit there and she would just wait on us. Oh, what have you? I thought she had the coolest mother in the world. Um, one particular day, my little sister began to complain. She said... It's not fair. Tiffany gets to go out. Now, mind you, I did have a curfew. But whenever I went to Roller World because my friend girl's mother took us and because Roller World ended at 12, my mother would let me stay out, you know, until I got home, you know, because she knew my um, the Roller World was going to end at about 11 or 12. And my friend girl's mother was going to bring me home. And in many cases, you know, I had already asked my mom, hey, can I stay the night at her house? And my mom would say yes or what have you. So my little sister, she takes it upon herself and she begins to whine and complain about, you know, how I get to go out to 12 or what have you. And now this wasn't the first time that this had happened. My mother was always equalizing things and I would always whine and be like, man, I'm six years older than her. When I was her age, I had to suffer through that as well. So, so thankfully this particular time, my auntie from Milwaukee was in town and uh, my sister was whining and complaining about, oh, Tiffany gets to go out and I can't go out with my friends. I have to go out. If I go anywhere, I got to come home. Now, mind you, again, she's 10 years old. I was 16. Um, so my mom was like, yeah, that's right. So Tiffany, from this point on, you need to come in at this hour. And I just started crying. I was like, that's not fair. I'm 16. She's 10. You know, why would I have to, you know, have the rules of the team? It's like I have to relive. I'm having to relive when I was 10 years old. But again, thankfully, my auntie um, was in town and my auntie was like, you know, she said to my mom, she's like, Alice, that's not right. You know, um, when she was 10 years old, she had the same rules. It's not right for you to strip her of her, you know, her rules, you know, her, her ability to go out and have fun. She not already done, you know, just because, you know, her of her, what have you. So my mom halfway listened to my aunt. What she did was she restored the rules where I could go out. But then she gave my sister the same privileges to be able to go out and stay out till like 12 on certain nights and stuff like that, which was crazy. But that's how my mom was raising my sister. So my little sister had this one incident um, some time ago. She was 14. She had to be, I think she was 14 years old, which meant I was 20. I had a car. I had a cousin who came in town. My cousin was like 18 years old. So I hung with my cousin, but I didn't hang with my sister because my sister was significantly younger. Um, my cousin in my eyes was grown. She was in my age range, but my sister was still a kid. You know, then she was little sister, what have you. So there's this one particular incident um, 
where me and my cousin, we were getting dressed up to go hit the town. You know, obviously we out there looking for, want to go out there and look for some boys. So we're getting dressed up, putting on these short, skimpy outfits and stuff. And my sister starts to whine and complain. Oh, there she goes again. You know, they get she go out with her and she's not taking me and all that. And my mom says, why won't you take your sister? I said, because she's a little girl. She's a kid. And my mom was like, yeah, no, that's your sister, your cousin. I'm like, my cousin is like two years younger. My sister's six years younger. So my mom said, well, you can't go unless you take your sister. I was mad, of course. And so I ended up taking my sister with me. No, before she um, came out, what I remember was my sister come, goes into the room. She hollers, yes. So she goes into her room and she starts getting dressed. And, you know, now me and my cousin, we got our arms folded. We're upset because we're having to wait for this 14-year-old. You know, obviously that means a lot of what we plan to do. We couldn't go do it. Excuse me. Um, a lot of what we plan to do, we couldn't go do it. Uh, what have you then now, you know, we kind of bound by a curfew because you can't keep a 14-year-old out that late. Um, so long story short, um, what ends up happening is I remember we stopped at a gas station. And while we were at the gas station, my cousin went in to pay for the gas. I stood out there and I pumped the gas. And, or was it the other way around? Either way, it was a car full of guys, which, you know, we were young women. That's what we wanted. Um, we wanted to get the attention of guys. So it was a car full of guys. They spotted us and they started talking to us or what have you. And, you know, talking about how pretty we are. And it's, it's three, it's actually three or four guys. And it's me, my cousin, and then my sister's in the car. So one guy comes up and he starts talking to me. And, you know, I'm talking to him or what have you. He's flirting. Another guy's over there talking to my cousin. And I happen to look up. And one of the guys is leaning in the car talking to my sister. Mind you, now let me rewind that. Before we left the house, because <laughs> like I said, she ran into the room to get dressed. She comes running out of there with a mini skirt on, lipstick, eyeliner, full face of makeup. I said, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, what have you. So she gets really upset. I'm like, you're not going nowhere with me like that. Mom, what have you. And so my mom was like, leave her alone. My little sister comes out with us dressed, you know, kind of skimpy or what have you. She's still a little sister, so I'm still going to act like that's a little sister. I don't care. So um, we get to this place and I look in, I see this guy leaning in the car talking to my sister and I hear her say 16. I hear her tell the guy 16. I said 16, nothing. I'm like, she is 14 years old. You don't want to go to jail. You better get away from her. Oh, what have you? I start yelling. And of course my sister's mad. She's embarrassed uh, because she felt like I should let her talk to that guy or what have you. So that was my argument. When I go back home to my mom, I'm like, she wants to hang with us because she's trying to be grown. She's not hanging with us. Because she's bored. She got friends her own age. She can go like they're, they're in the neighborhood. She can go over there. Why is she insistent on going with us? Because she's too busy trying to rush um, and growing up. She's too busy trying to rush and growing up. So going back to that uh, friend that I was friends with for five years. She was, she was a babe in Christ. She was immature. And... She had a beautiful testimony, which is what drew me to her. She had this testimony um, that, you know, she had been absent in so many years. Wash my hands again. Sorry, guys. Um, but she had been absent in so many years. And, you know, she was a handmaiden for God. And I was just really proud of her. Like I said, I was married at the time. 
I, but I realized that I instantly became just a minister in the pocket. And it's no, you know, shame to her to say, oh, she did wrong or what have you. No, she did what most babes in Christ would do if they get access to a minister. It's very similar to what people do. And I hate to use this phraseology, but it's just the way that I see it. Um, it's very similar to a basketball or a football player who's in college and you know plays college football and that that particular player starts to you know people know that he's gonna be great and it's not even just college it's high school because I remember I immediately think about a couple of guys in high school that we knew were gonna go pro you know it was no if and a but about it we knew they were gonna go pro and when women knew that a guy had a high probability of going pro everybody was trying to get with him everybody you know and you know women coming running out the cut what have you because they feel like this is my only opportunity to reach him uh this is my only opportunity to nab him because once he goes pro once he starts getting all his major attention he's gonna have access to all these you know exotic women he's gonna have access to all these different type of women and so I better go ahead and get him while he is still on this level, while he's still humble. <laughs> Let me go ahead and get him. But I know he's going to leave me once he get pro. I know he's going to leave me because he's going to get access to all those exotic women. He is a young man. So what young women do is they elect to get pregnant by the guy. They're going to try to, you know, find some type of way to get. So it's, it's pretty much nab him before he realizes his potential. And like I said, I hate to use that phraseology, but it is real. This is what happens in the body of Christ. When you see a leader, if somebody is, and I'm not saying they're up and coming to become a celebrity. I'm talking about they're up and coming to become a leader. When a person is getting into a, a role of leadership, they can never, they can go on to never be um, widely known. But people still try to nab them. People still try to nab them. And when I say nab, it's not always, oh, let me hurry and get a baby with you or anything like that. Because people don't see ministers. I mean, well, they do. Um, especially male ministers. Women would throw themselves at male ministers. But a lot of times people will come into your life and they'll try to elect to get in a role, get into a position. Because first and foremost, like my pastor, I don't have access to my pastor to say, oh, you know what? I got a headache. Let me call him. Oh, I got, I'm frustrated. And I have his phone number, but I also understand boundaries. I know that, hey, I can't call him up and say, hey, you know, I'm having a not so great day. I'm having this because he has other people in his um, leadership. But there are people around him who have that privilege because they've known him since he wasn't in ministry. And so they were there with him in the beginning. He, those are what he calls his day ones. And so they have a level of access that most of us don't have. Um, so they can call, they can text or what have you. Now I can call, I can text, but we all understand if you have any degree of spiritual sensitivity, you can feel the boundary there. You can sense the boundary and you know not to cross that boundary. You know um, how much access you have to a person or what have you. And you, you have to respect that boundary. People do that with ministers. They'll come and they'll try to become the minister's friend. But in all our honesty, they don't want a friend. They just want to have a pastor that they can talk to because people want the benefits without the responsibility. I'm going to say that again. People want the benefits without the responsibility. People want to be able to call you up and you say, hey, 
Did you go to church? No, not really. Do you read your Bible? Eh, no, not really. But girl, let me tell you what happened to me today. Girl, let me tell you about this. Girl, let me tell you about that. And they just want to have somebody that they can talk to. And they want somebody they can talk to that can give them some spiritual guidance. They want to be able to get a coaching a coaching call with you, but they don't want to pay. And the way they get out of um, of having to book you for any type of session, or what, they just call you their friend. Because there are responsibilities, roles and responsibilities that come with friendship. And in many cases, what they do is they will love bomb you and then hurry up and call you their best friend. It's like, okay, I know I don't know you, but I feel like I've known you forever. I feel like, and I hope I don't sound crazy. You're my best friend. And a lot of times when we're immature, we fall for that. But then when we begin to grow in ministry and we begin to mature, we come to see how honestly, how common that is. We come to see that, okay, yeah, people will come and they'll try to, you know, get around you and they'll start talking and they'll start feeling, oh, I feel like we got a lot in common or what have you, but they don't have the maturity to be your friend. You got to understand that it goes in the level of maturity. They don't have the maturity to be your friend. And what I mean by that is anytime there's uh, an imbalance in, 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 in maturity, when there's an imbalance or when maturity is not balanced, what then happens is one person plays a greater role in the friendship than the other one does. So you find yourself where you're giving and the other person is constantly taking. It becomes an 80-20 scale. You're the giver. You're the night or a 90 10 scale in many cases. You're the giver. You're always giving advice. You're always loaning money. <clears throat> you're always helping. You're always there. That becomes your role and your responsibility. And it becomes so deeply embedded in the culture of your friendship with the person to the point where it becomes just expected. And you even begin to feel bad if you don't give it. And a person gets offended if they don't feel like you're giving them the attention. If they call your phone and you don't answer, if you don't talk to them when they feel like you should talk to them, people begin to get offended. And so that was that. Um, with this particular friend, the same thing I had with the former friend, being on the phone twice a day for hours at a time, I did that with her. Same exact thing. It was like the door shut on one person and then here comes this door and, it's, and it opens. And honestly, I genuinely thought, oh, you know, look at what God did because God saw that this friendship was about to end. And here it is. God brings me another person. No, God wanted me to walk alone. He wanted me to understand the different types or different different dynamics of relationships. He wanted me, able, me to be able to look at her and say, okay, this is somebody that you can probably minister to. You can be a big sister to her, but you have to understand your role. That way you don't readily, you don't readily avail yourself to her every single time she wants to talk on the phone and you don't constantly give because friendships, when it's a friendship, friendship has to be balanced out. Now there are seasons where you're giving a friend, you give more than the other friend, but then there's another season where they give more than you. That's what friendships look like. And if you don't put the right um, labels on a relationship, it is easy for you to end up dealing with offense, which is what I ended up doing for many years with her. I would, you know, constantly deal with offense because I get frustrated at the fact that every time we talked on the phone, I'm listening to her talk about herself, talk about her problems, talk about her wants, talk about her day, talk about her, talk about what she needs, talk about her, 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 her. And I'm just availing myself to listen, availing myself to give advice. I'm availing myself. But, and honestly, I didn't pay too much attention to it until 
I found myself in need many times and I found myself needing somebody to talk to. I found myself needing somebody that could minister to me and I couldn't get that with her. I couldn't get that with her. As a matter of fact, when I confronted her about a years later, right toward the end of our friendship, I told her, hey, you've been selfish. You know, um, I went to God and I complained. I was like, God, I'm tired. This girl, you know, all all she does is talk about herself and everything is about her, her, her. I literally, this is my prayer to God. And God said, don't tell me, tell her. <laughs> I re- I'll never forget that. He said, don't tell me, tell her. So I called her. And um, I didn't get her on the phone. Um, she ended up texting me back. She was like, hey, I'm at church. Um, she said, hey, I'm at church. I'll call you when I get back. Are you okay? I was like, yeah, I need to talk to you. And I felt horrible, I remember, because she had gone to a church that I, you know, requested her to go to because we were states away. But, you know, I I realized that she was in a lot of need of deliverance. Um not to say I wasn't in any form of need or what have you. I'm just talking about I noticed that she was in a lot of need of deliverance. And because um, by this time I had got into the ministry of deliverance or what have you. And I told her, hey, I think you should go to this church. I really think you really need. And so long story short, she was there. And um, I felt bad, you know, because I felt like, you know, I don't want her to go in and get revelation. And get. And I, it's like I'm the demon waiting on the outside to, to upset her. That's how, That's literally what I felt like. Uh, but. It was way past due to this conversation. We, I had held it in for five years, you know, just not, I mean, I hadn't held it in. I talked to her about it before, but never really heavily because I felt like she was uh, too sensitive or what have you. I felt like she was fragile. And so I kept it, you know, I would, whenever I did talk about it, I would kind of be really lighthearted about it. Long story short, so I can stop all this rambling. Um, What ended up happening was. I get on the phone with her and I told her, I said, you know, I love you. And I, you know, I preface the conversation with all the kind words and I tell her, Hey, you've never been a friend of me. And she's like, huh? And I told her, I said, um, all the years I said, you know, when, when all these things were happening, you never were a friend. Like you always talk about yourself, you know? And I told her, I said, I've literally sat on the phone with you because my mother was um, battling with cancer. I said, I've set up on the phone with you. I, t- I, I would mention my mom struggling with cancer and stuff. And you would just kind of end what I had to say and be like, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm praying for you and everything. But girl, let me tell you what happened to me today. And that's how our conversations would go. And I remember this is the moment I realized that my friendship with her was not a friendship and it was completely over. When I was telling her that, I told her, I said, I've sat on the phone with you many times and I've cried. And you didn't even know I was crying because I'm too busy to you listening to you talk about a little minor stuff. And she said, well, I'm sorry. I thought you were strong enough to handle your own problems. And I, I sat there stunned. Like, did she just say that? Did she really just say that? She, she was like, I thought you were strong enough. And she said, I don't know in the future. I just thought you were stronger than that. And it wasn't a real apology. It was shade in the apology. Like, it was like, okay, well, since you want me to listen. And I'm sitting on the phone with my mouth wide open like, did this just happen? So uh, I stayed friends with her uh, for probably about a few months after that, about two to three months. And then, yeah, it ended. It ended. So here's why I say I don't want friends. I came to realize 
And this is probably going to sound off, but it is what it is. It takes a certain degree of maturity to understand certain things. So I came to realize that you have to be around people who mirror where you're going, people who are intentional, and people who have a certain degree of maturity. I come to realize also that I am a gift. I'm not just gifted. I am a gift. And when you are a gift, God gives you away. And when I say gives, it doesn't mean that the person owns you. God will bring you into the life of a person so that you can be a blessing to that person. But one thing about a gift is that a gift can easily be abused. A a gift can easily be taken for granted, misused, or what have you. And when that begins to happen, God will oftentimes allow that person, what they do is they break the gift down because God doesn't necessarily take the gift away. He will allow a person to destroy their relationship with the gift. If that, if you may, um, it it, is very similar to when I was a kid, when my uh, dad bought me and my brother and, um, I don't remember my sister had a bike, but no, I don't think she had a bike because she was young. I was eight years old. Um, but I remember being eight years old and having a bicycle and, you know, getting a bicycle for Christmas, being really excited about that bicycle, my brother getting a bicycle or what have you. And I remember, um, I don't remember if it was his or mine. I think it was mine bicycle getting stolen. Both of our bicycles actually ultimately end up getting stolen because we were in a bad neighborhood. But I remember our bicycles getting stolen. And I remember I was thinking about this earlier today and I, it could be a, a false memory. I hope it's not. But I feel like I went in the house. I was riding my bike one day and I decided to go in the house, maybe to go use the bathroom or what have you. It wasn't gone long. And when I came back out the house, my bike was stolen. My bike was gone. And um, it, it was really hurtful. You know, my parents fussed at me about it. You know, you should have put the bike up because it was one of those things where, you know, you're a kid, you're trusting. <laughs> I just came home and jumped off my bike and ran into the house thinking I was going to come back out to a bike and the bike was gone. And, you know, multiple occasions we had bicycles and they were stolen. So it's when you're dealing with children, there's a degree of maturity that they must have in order to appreciate the gifts that they're given. And that's not always the best example, because in this particular case, I won't say I, I necessarily did something wrong. It's just that I didn't take into account where I was or where we were living at. You know, I didn't take that into account because I was a kid. Um, But children don't always take good care of what you give them. Consequently, consequently, as you begin to wisen up, you realize if you're not already wise as a parent, you realize don't put a pair of $500 shoes on a three-year-old. You realize don't even put a pair of hundred dollar shoes on a three year old unless you really got it like that. And it's not going to put a dent in you in any type of way because the three year old's feet are going to outgrow those shoes. But before his feet can outgrow those shoes, he will destroy him. He going to run around. He going to jump around or she going to run around, jump around. They will complete. They'll put magic marker on the shoe. They'll do all kinds of crazy things. It's the same thing when it comes to a human gift. People have degrees of maturity. And some people are genuinely gifts. The Bible refers to the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, um, and the evangelist as fivefold ministry gifts. There are people out there who are genuinely gifts. And whenever they are gifted to a person, whenever they go into the life of a person, and I won't even say that they're gifted because in many cases, you know, because they are a gift, they will be a gift everywhere they go. They will give, give, give. And whenever they give, 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 people will take when they're in the hands or in the presence and the companionship 
of the wrong people or in the company, not companionship, but in the company of the wrong people, they will take, 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 take. Consequently, many gifts are tormented or many gifts are traumatized. And because they're traumatized, there are a lot of gifted people out there who stop gifting. They stop giving. And that's a form of perversion. They, they're too afraid to give. They're too afraid to give their time. They're too afraid to give their energy. They're too afraid. So consequently, what they do is they just pretty much, you know, they just don't give themselves away anymore. Um, they just kind of stay away. So I came to understand that I am a gift. And as a gift, I don't necessarily want a friend. I want sisters and brothers in Christ. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want people in my life who love and fear God. I want people in my life who understand that if I got to, if, 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 if you're going to be a gift to me, let me ask the Lord how I can be a gift to you because that's the beauty of it. It's very similar to, you know, if I come and I buy you a PlayStation uh, for Christmas or what happens, if I buy you a PlayStation, I give you this PlayStation, you're excited, you're, 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 you're you know, you're, you're elated or what have you. I give you this PlayStation and then you go out here and get yourself a, you know, some cartridges. Well, not even cartridges. You can tell them old. <laughs> uh, you get yourself some DVDs or whatever you put in those games. You buy yourself. So what you're doing is you're not going to let the gift stay as small as it is. You're supposed to keep giving to the gift, right? In order for you to enjoy the fullness, the potential of that gift. If I got you a, a, a PlayStation and it had... um. The PlayStation had one game with it. You know, I remember back in the day you buy a Nintendo Mario Brothers came with it. But let's just say it had one game that came with that PlayStation. You would know to add to the collection. You would know, okay, while I appreciate this game, you will play the game, enjoy it, but you're going to add to it. You'll also start buying joysticks and, you know, advanced joysticks. You'll start buying things to add to it. I come to understand that as a gift, one thing that has to happen is that people that when you come into the, their lives, they have to add to you to enhance or to to realize or to tap into your full value. But most people don't know that they don't understand. And so consequently, when they get a gift, they realize, hey, I can take because you're super nice. I can get this and I can get that because, you you know, you don't like hurting people's feelings. You don't want to say no. You're always protecting other people's feelings over my over, over your own. And so they take and they take and they take and they take and they take until you're depleted. They take and they take until you have nothing else to give. They take until you have nothing else to give. And a lot of times what God has to do is he will rescue you from a person like that by allowing them to come in contact with other people that they think are more valuable than valuable than you after they've depleted you or they think they've depleted you after they've done all that they can do. And you, they feel like you have nothing left to give. A lot of times they'll get distracted. They'll get in a relationship or they'll find a new friend or what have you. And they'll go running off in that direction. And that gives you the space. Uh, God gives you the opportunity. He gives you a way of escape and you're able to escape that or what have you. And then you have to come to realize your value as a gift. Cause it's not just people that take, cause a lot of times we want to just kind of put the blame on them and say they're horrible. You know, how is it that you have somebody in your life that's really good and you just take advantage of them? It's not just them. In all our honesty, as a gift, you have the responsibility of guarding your heart 
And you also have the responsibility of praying for the people you come in contact with and not giving yourself to everybody. You have, you have the responsibility of putting the proper labels on relationships. If that person is showing you they're not a friend, then you're probably not there to be their friend. You know, if God pulled a relationship together, it's probably a mentorship, you know, and you have to know your role. You have to know what role to serve in that person's life, because if you don't know what role to serve in that person's life, you are serving the wrong role, which will inevitably end in your offense. It will end in uh, trauma and all of that. So I came to realize I don't want friends. I was thinking about this. I don't want the responsibility of the friendship. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want the responsibility of talking to somebody every single day. I don't want the responsibility of listening to somebody whine about their day. And I don't want the responsibility of talking for hours on end about absolutely nothing about this dude at your church that rolled his eyes. Well, I don't want that responsibility. But here's the thing. And this is where I, where I said you have to listen to it in its entirety. Otherwise, you swear I'm traumatized. Here's the thing. I need friends. I don't want them. But I need them. And I had to allow God to begin to bring people into my life as frustrating as it could be. And, you know, with those people do, does come a measure of responsibility. But I also came to realize to put the proper labels and to realize, OK, that's not your friend. That's your assignment. <laughs> uh, that's not your friend. That's somebody that God brought into your life temporarily to mentor you. That's not your friend. That's somebody God brought into your life for you to mentor to put the proper labels and with the proper labels come the proper boundaries. And when I set those labels in place and I set those boundaries in place, it just got easier. It got easier um, because I didn't have people that was just in my life taking, 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 taking and saying, thank you. I'll say this last story before I close. Let me see if I got the time to tell this story. Okay. I think I got 10 minutes left. I met this girl some years ago and this is, I think I'm, I'm not sure if I, I think I probably met her. I don't know if I met her, but before the five year friend or what, but anyhow, met this girl online and I'm a gift. When I say I'm a gift, there are people who have a gift of giving. And when you have a gift of giving, it's not that you just have the gift of giving. You are a gift and you don't realize that. So you just keep giving and you give to the wrong people. So this particular girl, you know, I was doing logos, doing all the stuff I do, a lot of the stuff I do right now. And uh, this particular girl, I meet her and I talk to her and, you know, she ordered a logo from me, all this. And somehow we end up on the phone. And I felt like God was telling me to, you know, sow a seed into her. And I did. And um, next thing you know, we start talking on the phone um, every single day. Mind you, at this particular time, I got a boundary kind of up in my heart. Like, I really don't want any friends. I don't want this, you know, what this is trying to blossom into. Uh, nevertheless, I'm trying not to be so, you know, pushy, like back up type girl. So this girl, you know, um, we talk and I realize, hey, she's talented. What have you? I remember she was unemployed. She was always in need of money or what have you. So one particular day, um, this guy, he tries to hire me to do his website. No, he, he needed content for his website. He needed me to write up some articles, but I had a lot of orders and uh, I couldn't stop doing my orders because the problem with him was he wasn't willing to wait. He was like, I need it like immediately. And I was like, sir, I don't have time. I can't 
like let you skip the line um i have to you know do these orders or what have you he was like no nah, tiffany i really need you this that this that, and the other and i thought about her because i remember her saying that she could edit or what have you and i remember that she needed a job so i'm thinking okay this is perfect um this would be some money that she can make and um, at the same time, he can get what he needs taken care of. So I talked to her about it and she was like, yeah, sure. I said, it's just really, you know, going through the pages and writing the content or what have you. And what, and I told her what price I had given him. I was like, I told her 150 and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That'll help me out. I was like, yeah, okay. So I talked to him and I remember he was really insistent. He was like, no, I don't want nobody else to do it. I want you to do it, Tiffany. And I was like, nah, I get it. I'm sorry. But you know, this I, I I really need you to because ju- I don't have time. Minutes do argue for probably 20 to 30 minutes with him pushing like Tiffany. I need you. I need you. And I'm like, nah. So finally, I convinced him and he was like, well, if she if, if she doesn't do right, Tiffany, I'm going to, you know, I'm talking to you. I'm talking. I was like, yeah, 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 I, I get it. I get it. So um, I have him. I put them directly in contact and I have him to send her the money directly and what have you. I didn't take a, not even a finder's fee. Um, so he calls her up and, you know, they, he sends her the money and, you know, that was that get on the phone with this girl. And, um, it's three weeks later, my clients know I have a reputation for doing things like overnight, like I'm gonna move on it fast, but get on the phone with this girl and <laughs> I get on the phone with her and it's like three weeks later. I'd already kind of asked her about it one time and she was like, yeah, I'm gonna get on it. I haven't done it yet. I was like, yeah, please. So three weeks later. We on the phone and she said, oh, yeah, girl, I was talking to him the other day. He talking about some because uh, I haven't done it yet. And he was going to tell me. He was like, I'm going to tell Tiffany. She was like, tell. She's like, girl, I told him, tell Tiffany what Tiffany going to do to me. I literally I've had some really busted people in my life. I was like, what in the world did she just say to me? What in the world? She was like, girl, and she was talking like, you know, like I was going to laugh. But I'm like, you literally like it's almost like you puffing up or what have you. Um, So. That wasn't the only incident. The incident that really sealed the deal for me with this particular girl was I was trying to push her to write a book. I was like, girl, you got so many gifts, you got talents. I should I think you should write your book. This, that, this, that, and the other. And she was like, Yeah, you know. And then one day I said, Hey, you know what? I tell you what. If you I said, All right, I'll go, I'll go ahead and do I will design you a book cover for your book. I will design you a book cover for your book just to motivate you to go ahead and do it. No, I said, if you do your book, I'll give you a free book cover. That's what I said. If you do your book, I'll give you a free book cover. She was like, what word? Okay. All right. I got you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. So I haven't started the cover yet, you know, cause we just talked about that one day, probably a few days later, I get a call from her and she's like, Hey, um, I need a flyer, you know, for some type of event. She's like, I need a flyer. She said, can I just give up the book cover and you give me a flyer instead? Now, I'm frustrated because that wasn't the purpose of that book cover. It wasn't so I can give her something free. It was to motivate her to write the book. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of taken aback, but I'm like, she was like, because, you know, and I knew she couldn't afford. She was like, I really need this flyer. So I'm willing to sacrifice the book cover and then I'll get the flight. I mean, you know, and, and exchange it for the flyer. So I let her know. I was like, you know, uh. I'll do it, but you won't get the book cover. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. I said, and you know, the book cover is worth way more, way more than a flyer. She was like, yeah, but I really need this flyer. So I said, okay. I go and I design a flyer, send it over to her, get her to approve it. That same day, now mind you, 
it had been a while. Honestly, been a while since I had promised her that cover. Probably been probably a month. I said a couple of days was like a month or something. That same day, I get emails from her from what she wants on her book cover. After I send her the flyer, she approves it. She tells me, oh, I love you. I praise God for you. All this beautiful stuff. All of a sudden, I start getting emails for my book, for my book cover. So I email her back. I was like, hey, sis, remember, you gave up your book cover for the flyer. So she writes me back. Yeah, I just sent that because, you know, just so whenever I'm ready. Exclamation point. I had two social media, two Facebook accounts. She went and removed me from both that same day because I told her. Now, I just I just did her free flyer, but because I wouldn't do her free cover. Because I wouldn't do her free cover. Now, you know, um, that's been years ago. Um, she removed me. I let her go. And that was that. I'm thinking, man, I didn't I didn't try to be a blessing to this person twice. And she's burned me both times. She's burned me both times. So I don't want friends. I need them, but I won't go for the ones who are broken. The ones who are takers. I go for the gifts. Because people who are gifts, they know to give in return. When I was in Florida, I asked the Lord one day and I had, you know, was going through a divorce. I said, Lord, bless me with a friend. And he gave me exactly what I needed. He sent me a woman who had her own money. <laughs> she was older and mature. And what I love about her was that we were out. We were trying to outgive each other. Both of us. We competed on who could give the most because we go out to eat. And, you know, I was so accustomed to people that's always trying to get over. But no, here she is in the restaurant. I got it. I'm like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And the waitresses kind of had fun laughing at us at times because, you know, the waitress comes to the table. She hurry up and shove her card in his hand. I got it. She's like, you paid last time, Tiffany. God, let me pay for it. And we talked about it. And, you know, all of her friends have been takers as well. And it was such a a breath of fresh air to have somebody sitting with you who wanted to finance your company rather than you always financing other people in your life. You know, you don't feel used, you feel wanted. That is very valuable to the gift. So that's my message to you. I pray this message blessed you and God bless you.